0: Bloody Elbow presents the Level Change Podcast. The combat sports variety show that brings you analysis, fight announcements, and insightful discussion of MMA's biggest headlines. Paid Bloody Elbow Podcast Substack subscribers will hear bonus content, if available, at the end of the broadcast. Be sure to subscribe at bloodyelbow.substack.com for our newsletter and at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com for our podcast network. Follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow. Facebook at facebookcom bloody elbow blog, and as always, on bloodyelbow.com. Thanks for listening. Here are your hosts, Steffi Haynes and Victor Rodriguez.
1: Welcome back, and thank you for listening to episode 258 of the Level Change Podcast. I'm Steffi Haynes, and I'm joined as always by my amazing co-host victor rodriguez and today we're gonna look at ufc 292 we're gonna look back at ufc vegas 78 and we're gonna look at a whole bunch of headlines but before we do that let's check in with victor and see how his week has been
2: this week has been very hectic i've barely been able to keep up with most fights actually um trying to catch up trying to um trying to zero out my, my backlog here, but yeah, we got a lot to look forward to. We've got a lot to cover from the recent past and, uh, yeah, just interesting times. That's all really that you can hope for in this sort of thing.
1: Indeed. Now, when we recorded last week, the same day we, we recorded, uh, the, the news came out about the antitrust lawsuit gaining class certification. Now that news has been beaten to death all week long, all all of last week, and even into this week, it has spread so we're gonna we're gonna take a pass on that and give you guys a break from the antitrust lawsuit. but what I do want to talk about first is the new MMA rules that were adopted by the ABC now two weeks ago. the ABC had this huge meeting, and a lot of changes happened. But there are a few new rules that I think Victor needs to hear about, as do all of you. Now, I'm sure Victor already knows these rules, but we are going to pretend that Victor Cornelius Rodriguez doesn't know any of this.
2: Hey, there we go.
1: (laughs) I'm picking up your lines, man. (laughs)
2: There you go, man. Good stuff.
1: So let's talk about fighters having access to a cut man after being cut by a foul or accidental headbutt now this is coming from eric McGr- uh, McGracken's breakdown uh shout out to that guy pretty cool dude and he has an array of good quality explainer videos if you are not following him you definitely need to um after a while, I will look up his Twitter for you, but I want to say it's at combat, combat Sports Law. So here is what he said in his video. When a foul occurs, whether it's a clash of heads or whether it's an illegal strike of some kind and a fighter has a cut, fighters will now have up to five minutes to recover from that cut. And during that time, a cut person could come into the cage or the ring, depending on where you're at and what promotion, and they can tend to that wound. They can't tend to anything else, but they can tend to that wound. Now, under the old rules, the fighter had to resume the fight, make it to the end of the round, and only then could the cut person come in and help them out. But now they've changed that to say that the cut person can address it immediately to give that fighter a better chance of being able to continue. Thoughts?
2: I'm curious to see this in execution. This appears, and I have a suspicion that this is going to work much like the manner in which we saw open scoring implemented in Invicta. Now, you don't really see it in other major organizations like that, right? But you see what, what happens where fighters uh, and, and of course, us, the viewers, get to see round by round what the scores are and how much that is influential in the pace of the fight and, and the manner in which fighters uh, enter the following rounds. I don't know how that's going to work here. This is slightly different because here you're doing something that immediately affects the action right as it's happening. Um, When you stop somebody, I mean, can you... How bad are these cuts going to be? I mean, that's always a variable that is going to be of utmost importance.
1: Like, can you imagine... The, but, the overream split lip trying to
2: be tended to. I'm that. curious about right. Like, does that immediately lead to the fight being stopped or is it just going to be for the cuts in which the blood begins to become an obstruction for the fighter's vision? How bad are these cuts going to be? Like, I, I feel like there's going to be a lot of wrangling going on for us to figure this out and get it right. But also, what is this going to translate to to the viewer? to the fan in attendance. Like, how is this going to affect the texture of these fights? And will they, in fact, affect the results? Because this is... That can be a little dicey, man. You know, you get some of these guys, they get patched up pretty good when they uh, go between rounds. But, I mean, I guess they, they will still have a competent cut man in there during the fight, but... Is that is that really are you giving people too many breaks? Like I think I think those questions are still going to be uh, something of a concern. But I also do think that it's more of a safety first type of thing. So I don't hate it personally. I'm just curious as to whether or not the UFC likes it because whether we like it or not, they are the ones that have the most influence and sway into how a lot of these things go. You know, they they're the ones that that make certain requests that are listened to by uh, commissions all over the world. So I want to know how that works out. But I think this is the one that'll probably have the most of an immediate of an impact, even though we don't see the more devastating cuts quite as often.
1: I'm sure the UFC is fine with this rule because it's basically intended to give the fighters a chance to recover so that the bout can continue. That's in the UFC's best interest. So I'm sure they love this. And like you, I'm interested to see how this plays out in practice. Now, let's check out this next rule. Fighters will have more time to recover from eye pokes before being examined by a doctor. I kind of like this one. Here's what it says. Clarification of how referees and ringside physicians should work together following an eye poke foul. The clarification will help ensure some bouts don't come to a premature end following a foul without giving a fighter adequate time to potentially recover. When an eye poke occurs, timeout is called, and the fighter has up to five minutes to recover. But here are the new nuances. First, officials could give the poked fighter a cold compress and they could put it on their eye to give them some time to recover for a minute to 90 seconds. Only then should the ringside physician come in and if possible, the doctor shouldn't immediately shine a light in the fighter's eye and ask, can you see? Under current rules, the answer is often no they can't see right away and then the fight is called off the new rules are designed to give the fighter some time to recover and give them a tool to recover then let the doctor take a quick look at things but not immediately ask about vision let the fighter have most of that five minutes and then, and only then, ask if their vision is obstructed, and if it is, of course, the battle is over. But if it's not, they had a fair chance to recover. Thoughts?
2: Listen, my main concern when it comes to eye pokes is the refs are the ones that have to have a much more active role in deterring the fighters from committing those fouls. However, this is what we have, this is the system and framework under which we currently exist and operate. This is good. This is probably the most the most um impactful and net positive of all the new things that I saw at least maybe to me. I don't know. You, you feel free to disagree, but I, I this one is the one that I like the most because man, I really hate seeing these guys get poked and then it's kind of like, well, look, we're not telling you to hurry up. But you probably might want to hurry up, you know, yeah. can you see? Can you see? Can you see? Like, shit, it it could take a while for you to be able to see, you know? And from a fan perspective, it's just more ads you can run in the meantime, and it's 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 not like they're um, it, it's not like this is going to put any sort of damper on the television product in a way that it, none of this outweighs fighter safety. But you have to also remember these are I mention these things because they are considerations that need to be taken into account because this is after all a business for all parties involved. So uh, I I think this is perfect. I think this is great. It's I, it's it's the most close to optimal thing that you can ask for like you got to give him time you got to give him time you don't want this guy seeing three marlon veras in front of him now if you can bring it down to two if that's what it takes for for if he just needs an extra five minutes and it's better well then okay but you you're probably not going to have um you know 100 vision for the rest of that night once you get poked bad enough but hey that's this is fine i i actually really like this
1: yeah it's the one that it stood out to me as well. I like that the ref can can offer a cold compress now. immediate yes. treatment. I like that. Yes. I like that they're not getting an a, a flashlight immediately in their eyes. That can be painful in and of itself. so I, i'm I'm a fan of that one. Now, there's one last one. And it's separating stalling fighters. Now, let me read to you. The third rule approved codifies language on referee discretion on when to separate stalling fighters. And I quote, positioning fighters for a restart after a foul warning, physician's examination, or a point deduction. Intention, a fighter should never be allowed to improve their position based on fouling. When a fighter who is in a disadvantaged position fouls and the referee must stop the action, if it can reasonably be accomplished, the fighters should be returned to their positions after the time is taken for the warning, physician's examination, or point deduction. When a fighter who is in position of advantage fouls, and the referee must stop the action for a warning, physician's examination, or point deduction, the fouling fighter should lose his position of advantage when the bout resumes. Mm. Note that the terms advantaged or disadvantaged do not always equate with top or bottom position. An example would be a fighter whose strategy is to avoid stand-up and pull his opponent into guard to increase the chances of getting a submission. If the top fighter fouls, it may be more appropriate to return them to the grounded position. Thoughts?
2: Not maybe the largest priority to me, but I mean, I like it. I get it. Look, you're trying to deter people from playing that game. Mm-hmm. You know, we know that there's a lot of that a lot of that stuff when we talk about fighter IQ and veteran savvy. Sometimes that does include doing certain things to 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 set bait. I mean, if you remember the fight between uh, I believe it was Chuck Congo and Paul Wentello, um Buntelo was playing that game where he was hunched over and he had one hand on the ground and he kept picking it up and putting it down and picking it up and putting it down. And Congo inevitably was going to knee him in the head, and he did. And what did Herb Dean say? Herb goes to check, he says, neutral corner, don't worry, you're good. And then he goes to Paul, he says, you were playing the game, man. You were playing the game. <laughs> I'll never get that voice out of my head. It was beautiful. And he was right. He was right. You were setting bait for a foul. The ref wasn't going to take it. You're not. A, you're not technically cheating. But you were looking angling for something as a way out. And that's just not that's not conducive to anything proper. So why would you want to incentivate that sort of thing? This is obviously that's a different situation because this is someone who got caught and you know the reset didn't go the way they wanted it or whatnot. But with this, I feel like you're cementing that sort of proper I know what you're doing and you're not going to get an advantage off it. So that's good.
1: Indeed. Now we have other news and I love this news. It's always nice when we get a good headline. Our headline, UFC champ preparing to vacate title. Now, Most of the time when I see things like that, I immediately think, oh God, what dumb shit has some champ done that they have to vacate? Who went out and played a pickup basketball game? Who went out and did some ninja samurai warrior shit and separated their shoulder? Who did it now? But I was so happy to open it up and find out that it's Aljamain Sterling and that he is preparing to move up. After this fight, he says that there is a 99% chance after this fight that he vacates his belt. And I love the reasoning. He has two reasons. And I know that the one is because his bestie, Merob Devalishvili, he says it's his time. This, for me, borders on the same ilk as when Patricio vacated the lightweight belt so that Patrici could p- compete for it. And he won it. So that's kind of cool. And you don't see things like this very often. I mean, go back in your memory palace for a second to the whole fallout with John Jones and Rashad Evans, who used to be very close. But when Greg Jackson made his choice as to who he was going to train, that just dissolved that whole thing. You won't see anything like this very often you definitely won't but he has another reason and this reason in my opinion is a little bit more um it matters more he says he starts off with Marab Valishvili. he says it's Marab Valishvili's time and the second part of that is I'm a little bit over cutting weight, especially this much weight. I walk around between 165 and 170 pounds. I think I could hold that frame relatively better. And I think my conditioning and everything could actually go up a little bit more. Back to when I was younger, where I was cutting less. I'm 34 now. So I think I just want to get ahead of it before it gets ahead of me. And holy shit, that's a mouthful right there. That last sentence is everything. I'm 34 now. So I think I just want to get ahead of it before it gets ahead of me. I love that. Safety first. I like that he's thinking a little bit ahead of himself here. He is 34 he has been fighting a long time. He has a lot of fights that are long, grueling battles too. I mean, just look at the split decision when he has over Henry Cejudo. That was a fucking battle. So I like this. I really love the the the, the personal aspect of it, but for me, the safety aspect of it far outshines the personal aspect because not too many fighters are this forward thinking they are in the moment they are thinking i'm unstoppable blah 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 here's a guy that's thinking you know what i'm not unstoppable this is getting harder and harder and harder as i get older it's time for me to start thinking about my future the physical future that's left for me victor
2: I applaud this man. I mean, it's an incredibly selfless thing to do, and to think. I mean, yeah, sure, he is considering himself and his long-term health and well-being, but to do that and also help his friend in the process and be like, "Hey, man, I want him to get some shine too, and I want to support him." That that's a beautiful thing. We don't see that quite. We don't see that as often as perhaps we ought to. I mean, it's very rare for some fighters to be in the kind of situation that these two are in, but it's nice to see it happen like this, I guess. And if he does actually end up winning this weekend, which he very well might. And I expect him to, yeah, it it, it kind of makes the story all the more beautiful. And Mirab is not being gifted anything. He's still got to fight for it, but at least the opportunity is there, you know? So that's, that's a great thing to see. I'm really happy to see that.
1: Same, same. I love it. It's a, it's a great story and I'm glad it, happened where that we could shine a light on it this week now we have an update for ufc 292 and that is that they have lost a former champion from that (laughs) card and now this card has just been snake bitten from the jump i mean it's experienced a lot of changes like Rob Font was supposed to fight on this this card, but they, they pulled him from this card and they moved him to um, the, the fight with Sandhagen two weeks ago. So we lost that fight. Well, we also have lost Cody Garbrandt uh, fighting Mario Bautista. Now, we did get a replacement, and we'll talk about that in just a moment. But Cody Garbrandt, I feel like he dodged a bullet here. Mm. I really do. I mean...
2: He stays dodging him. I mean, that's...
1: Really, here's the thing. Mario Bautista shouldn't be someone that would for, would force this kind of worry. But the state that Cody Garbrand is in, good Lord,
2: you know? I, what do you do with this guy? It's, it's a, I mean, has he he's already been in the wood chipper long enough. We saw... Uh, what was it? Muñoz, right? That he knocked out. Who? It was he knocked out Muñoz in that that fight uh, a while back, right?
1: Uh, I can't even no, I can't Hinden even remember Burrell. who he fought. hidden Barao and Trevin Jones are the only wins he has in like the last seven fights.
2: I mean, I. I'm not saying that he still ain't got it but does he have it on this level I just don't know.
1: Oh, it was I'm sorry. Uh, it was the uh, Assunsal. Excuse me. Rafael, yes, yeah, Brazilian hypnoto. Was... There we go. Me. That's sorry the name about I was that. thinking of. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So I I I just I feel so I feel so bad. Like what what do you do? Where does this guy go? I mean, this is kind of like I'm reminded a little bit of Rampage, right? He was like, well, I don't want to fight anybody that's not in the top 10, and I also don't want to fight wrestlers. Well, I'm sorry to tell you, dude, the only guy who's not a wrestler in the top 10 is like one guy, and you don't want to fight, you know, you you, you don't you, you don't want to fight back. What do you do? Well, that's different because that's the intransigence of a single person, right? Making certain demands and having expectations that are not realistic. This, this is a guy that it's poison in any direction for him to fight anyone. I just don't, I just... I don't want to see him continue to get mauled. And it's like, there's, no, there's barely any good matchups for him anymore, especially not in the top five. So I just, I feel so bad.
1: I don't. Here's why. Well, let, let, let me just say that when he put on the belt Everything changed. And I feel like he went a little bit Hollywood, sort of like the way that Connor did. And then you had uh, WME Endeavor representing him exclusively outside of the UFC. And they were doing all these things. And we got to see him compete in, in bouts that he probably shouldn't have access to, considering that he was losing, losing, losing. But they kept giving him these high value targets and he kept getting finished, kept getting stopped. So now they're giving him, they're giving him low value targets and he's having to scrap tooth and nail. I mean, that fight with Trevin Jones was a war for him. And five years back, it should, it wouldn't have been. Six years back, it wouldn't have been. Cody Garbrandt has definitely taken some hits and You know, I'm kind of glad to not see him take another ass whooping. Instead, we have Damon Blackshear making a super fast turnaround from that amazing twister. So he gets a one week turnaround and he will be facing Mario Bautista instead. I like that fight. I think it's great. I'm going to take Damon Blackshear. We're not picking it, but if I were, I would definitely take Damon Blackshear in this. That dude is phenomenal.
2: I I guess so. I mean, what argument can you credibly make? I I, I mean it, it's it, Blackshear's been looking so good. You know what I'm saying? I just I have to go with him, man. I, that dude is uh, he's looking pretty special right now. I like that form.
1: Indeed. Something else happened last weekend. Well, a few things happened last weekend that we'll get into, but one thing that happened during the UFC broadcast uh u f c vegas seventy eight uh tofan and they had a little graphic as he was coming out that said that he was the only Cameroonian fighter in u f c history, and boy, oh boy, everybody it was like you know how you see the community notes on twitter
0: mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: and, and sometimes you get to see a body get dropped, <laughs> boy, I saw. A whole bunch of bodies get dropped <laughs> with this and the best one was the one that francis and left because he said um no sir you are wrong the actual first cameroonian fighter in the ufc was judo terry Silkaju, and that is the truth it was when judo terry came over from pride he faced leota machida in his very first fight he lost But that he was the first Cameroonian. The second Cameroonian was Francis Ngannou. Props to Francis Ngannou for remembering Judo Terry. And shame on the UFC for, once again, trying to pull out the old magic eraser. Now, remember, (laughs) they did this already. The most famous example, Frank Shamrock being excluded from... The UFC Hall of Fame, he should be the first inductee, but no, 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 no.
2: Embarrassing.
1: Embarrassing.
2: You, you know what? This just reminds me of like what happened with. Um, it reminds me of what happened with Cain Velasquez. We we're talking about the first Mexican UFC champion. Oh, now yeah. he's Mexican-American, American, but of Mexican descent, whatever. But then you got Frank Shamrock. And he never got, th- like, somehow we let that slide. Mm-hmm. We let that one cook. You know what I'm saying? I'm just surprised now thinking like, shit, yeah, they got away with this before, didn't they? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yes, they fucking did. This isn't like when Dana said that Yushin Okami was the best Japanese fighter in the UFC, totally erasing um, Sakuraba from the picture. Mm-hmm. No, this is, this is a different thing entirely, bro. Like, you know what you're doing. Now you're wiping out two people. For what? For what? You didn't have to do that. You could just say, you know, from the African continent, or bring up other stats like his significant strike percentage, or his takedowns, or you know, takedown defense. You didn't have to do this. There's unforced errors, and then there's this. And I want to point something else out too. This is how this is how petty and fucking small. Because the thing that irks me about this, you got a company that's valued at what? Twelve, twelve billion, seventeen billion? Who fucking knows these days, right? Billions of dollars. All right, we're in the tens column of billions. And they got to do petty shit like this. They had that package. Don't think I didn't see that shit. They had that package with Valentina Shevchenko, right? You're not just showcasing her skill. They're only showing clips of her beating the brakes off of Liz Carmouche. Why specifically Liz Carmouche now? I mean, all the other highlight videos—they show her beating up all the other opponents that she had faced in the past. No, it was only Carmouche, and it was only now. Why? Because Carmouche well, is champ. Where's Liz Carmouche now? She's holding the Bellator flyweight belt. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like, you don't have to do this. You know that, right? Like, I, I just it, 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 maybe. I don't wanna think so much of myself to think that they're doing it to irk us specifically. I don't think it's that. It's like, this is a dumber and and even lower form of this. And you would just hope that maybe they'd be a little better than that. But alas, no, they're incapable of that.
1: Absolutely incapable. Now we get to Francis Ngannou again. I I like this because Teddy Atlas is um, so annoying to me. He didn't always used to be this annoying. Okay. With the okay. advent of social media, Teddy Atlas has become almost unbearable. So Francis Ngannou sort of jilted Teddy Atlas for Mike Tyson. And I find this the funniest story. Holy crap. Let me let me. Tell oh, you. God. Teddy Atlas reveals that he got a training offer from Team Francis Ngannou. So in a recent episode of his own YouTube show, Atlas revealed that he got a training offer from Francis Nganu's team along with his his conditions for agreeing. So he said, full disclosure, I don't always talk about things that haven't come to pass, but Nganu's people had asked me about the possibility of training him. Obviously, I don't just train anyone, even if it's for a pile of oil money in the sand. A score, if you will. I'm no saint with this stuff or a monk with this stuff, but I'm not going to train somebody unless I want to be around them. I think they're a good person. I think they're coachable, and I think I can help them. I'm just not gonna. You know my way. I'm going to spend a couple of days with you that's the deal. It's going to be a trial period. And I'm not going to say yes. And I'm not going to say no until I go through that trial period and see if I want to work with you. He described members of Francis and Ganu's team as being nice people, but later admitted feeling a little bit upset after finding out that The sudden turn of events was now over there with Mike Tyson.
2: What do you want?
1: He said, and I quote, I don't look at the internet stuff, but the next day, my son sends me a thing announcing that they're getting Mike Tyson to train him again. God bless. Good. Great. I'm sure it's going to bring in some extra pay-per-view buys at the very least. And look, Tyson was a tremendous fighter, and Nganu is infatuated by him. He's obsessed with Tyson. He wanted to show me, he, he wanted me to show him the Tyson uppercut, which I did. I treat him like a gentleman. But you made the deal with Tyson and you're asking me to go out to Vegas to do a trial? Why don't you be up front with me? It just doesn't feel good. I'm not crying. But I guess what I'm saying is can't we be better as people? I know money is money and it's important, but isn't it important to treat people right? Isn't it important to keep your word? Again, they're nice people. But when you're tempted by these things, isn't that when it's most important for you to show those characteristics or just decency, just honesty, just being up front? Don't ask me about coming out for a trial when you know you made a deal with somebody already. It's going to feel to me like you're bringing me out just to pick my brain, knowing you're already going another direction, which is your prerogative. But be up front. Woo. Teddy Atlas, you jilted girl. (laughs) That is exactly the thought that hit my head when I read all that. He sounded like a jilted girlfriend
2: or a jilted boyfriend. What have you? What what is his fucking problem? (laughs) You weren't going to train Francis. You're mad that he's going with Mike. Do I, do I have this? Am I, am no, I... no,
1: no, that's not, no? That's okay. not. Okay. what he was saying was that Francis's team asked him to come out for a trial. And apparently he went, he feels that they knew all along they were going to go with Mike Tyson. But in my opinion, um, I think that team Francis and Ganu is out here collecting as much knowledge as they can from the people they feel have that knowledge if anything teddy atlas should feel elevated that they selected him do you think that they're only gonna speak to mike tyson in the lead up to tyson fury no they're gonna probably talk to eddie reynoso they're gonna talk to a whole bunch of people obviously he wanted to talk to teddy atlas a great trainer back in the day Maybe they're going to talk to Freddie Roach. There's a whole bunch of people out there that they're probably going to try to pick their brains. Consider it a compliment, Teddy.
2: But not just that. It's the fact that you already stated you're only going to talk to the guy for a day or two or whatever. These people also want to work with Francis, probably. Right. Or they'll at least find terms that they would consider amenable. Right. Why wouldn't they? they stand to make a ton of money too why wouldn't they want to be part of something that could be historic a guy that seems that maybe perhaps not so much on paper but as far as hype is concerned looks like he might have a chance you wouldn't i i just don't understand where he thinks that there's some form of exclusivity why should it have to be that oh i can't believe he was talking to somebody else too well you, thought, you, you why should you be the only one in the party especially if you're looking at a situation in which He's uh, made it quite clear he's not really, you know, sure if he's going to do a full camp. Well, then shit, I got it. Hey, this shit got to move. This shit got to shake. This fight is in less than three months. I, 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 you know, Francis is not in the business of dawdling around with his dick in his hand, waiting for Freddie for Teddy to, you know, maybe come around and do something. Like, is he? I, you gotta, you gotta help me understand this now, because you, you've been around this, you know, for for a long time in terms of boxing. You, you, you've been. Aware of the man and listen to the man and seeing how he operates. Has he always been this weird? Because I've only noticed for the last two years or so that he has become baffling anytime he says anything that's related to MMA, and now he's doing this. Am I missing something here? You're not. This has always been him. He's o- oh, mm-hmm. my fucking god. Oh, yes. my fucking god. Yep. Oh, wow. Wow. Imagine wow. My- me as a yeah.
1: longtime boxing fan with and teddy atlas in this fear from the time i was a little girl
2: oh my condolences jesus christ this man seems insufferable
1: he wasn't always this way I must say he wasn't always this way that's why I prefaced it with the advent of social media and his induction to it because for a long time Teddy refused Twitter said he could not abide Twitter he didn't like social media blah blah blah
2: he should have stayed out
1: exactly and then about five or six years back somebody dragged him onto Twitter and it's been a hellscape since when Mm -hmm. his name is brought up now, that's I mean, why
2: I gotta find and beat their ass. Cause that man need to go back in the closet, back <laughs> with the mothballs. Fuck you doing.
1: <laughs> now we have one final story, and I saved this for last because it's Conor McGregor. And
2: it's- oh my! Oh my God! You! 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 Yes. Woman, it's you, funny, I'm though. wagging my finger at the microphone at you doing this shit to me.
1: No, you're going to love this because this is moments where we kind of get to point and laugh and nobody has really been Am uh, afflicted. Am I really? Really. I mean, there's no affliction here in that, you know, Connor didn't knock out a mascot. There's no All right. allegations All right. towards him or anything. It's just basically we get to point and laugh moments. Okay, I hope um, so. It, it is a whole lot of moments moments in one event, though. Oh, my goodness. Victor, I wish you had watched the, the Joshua card because <laughs> Connor shows up, right? And he's, he shows up in this black van, this minivan. And it's r- promoting his Black Forge stout. And out pops these gorgeous girls in tiny little outfits. But one of the girls is in the tiniest outfit. And I don't think a lot of people picked up on who it was, but it was It was women's boxing um, star, Ebony Bridges.
2: Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. So,
1: So he has her in his little entourage. There's her and like two or three other girls. And so he pulls up and he gets out all pomp and circumstance. And he's swaggering along and the cameras are following him. And he's jabbing away, jabber, jabber, jabber. And then he turns around and he points back and he says, part the fucking crowd, part the fucking crowd. And so he's motioning, get up here, get up here. And so the girls come, do, 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 do. they come up there. And then he's, that's right, that's right. So he's got his girls all around him and he's strutting, swaggering and they're, They're just talking to him and he's jab, jab, jabbing away. And so fast forward, the fights are happening and somebody captures Connor ringside as Joshua and Helena start fighting.
2: Yes, I, <laughs> think, I, I think I think
1: he's shadow boxing and he's talking to someone, but he's talking straight ahead like he's coaching Anthony Joshua.
2: <laughs> oh oh well, maybe he's talking to the same spirits that Pacquiao's <laughs> mother was conjuring in that fight, which she you remember you know the one. <laughs> you know oh, the goodness one gracious it was so She's funny pointing the shit and do you, you know him you, that motherfucker just strike him with lightning and maybe that's what he was doing <laughs> there you know it's you, so, you 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 know they they the, the the they say that that bolivian marching powder that should make you talk to some other entities that we might not have had registered on them books yet
1: yes indeed and so we we get to the point where the fight is over and connor races in and he's got his stout, right? He's got this, this, this glass of stout. And before Anthony Joshua can answer the question that they've asked him, I mean, they literally have a mic in his face. And Connor busts through, busts through, and pushes that mic to the side and shoves this glass of black forge stout in Anthony Joshua's mouth. And forces it up to chug, 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 chug away. They eventually talk to Connor and Joshua's still standing there. They're asking him, I forget what it was, but he immediately points out KSI in the crowd and he starts talking shit and Connor has fried his brain so much with either steroids or cocaine or a combination of the two, or maybe nothing at all. Maybe he's just drunk all the time because he's always toting around a bottle of proper number 12. And he's always drinking straight from that fucking bottle. And he has the look of a guy that drinks a lot. The bags under the eyes, the, 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 puffy paunches that he all around his face he looks puffy all the time beyond roided out puffiness this is just this looks like alcohol puffiness I would kill to have a scan of his liver right now but anyways so he's he's talking shit about KSI and out of the blue Joshua just says that's my dude (laughs) (laughs) that's my guy that's what he said because Connor said ksi is a bitch and anthony joshua just went that's my guy (laughs) so anyways we get to the point where that connor's on the mic and like i was saying his brain is so addled right now that his his shit talk is terrible now like beyond terrible like he's struggling hard he said and i quote ksi Couldn't box eggs. He couldn't box eggs if he was in an egg boxing factory. That went over like a fart in church. That thing was so stank as bad. Like it got no pop, no pop whatsoever. And he repeated the line later to Gareth Davies. And Gareth, listen, that interview went 20 seconds. And guess who cut it off first?
2: Oh no. Uh, Gareth.
1: Gareth cut the interview. He literally pulled the mic away as Connor was talking and said, Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Oh my god. To have that I you hear Victor? That was my reaction when I saw it. Oh
2: god. Yes. Oh see, I wasn't gonna plunk down no money to watch that shit, but that that would have that would have been yeah, I, I wish I could have caught that live that moment. That that was Okay, look, man, let's go back to the beer thing. Um, there are better ways for you to promote your shit. You don't just force somebody to do that. This reminds me of Josh Holm from um, Queens of the Stone Age. He played at the Made in America Festival here in Philly one time, and uh, Jay-Z's like, you know, he's, he's it's his event, so he's like, hey, man, can I get a picture with you? He's like, yeah, sure. And then Jay-Z puts his arm around Josh, and with his other hand, he brings up a bottle of Ciroc, which Jay-Z is part owner of. And Josh was like, whoa, whoa, no, 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 no. <laughs> not with that. No, no, no. We're not doing that. Like you put, you bring that image, you bring that bottle into this photo. That stands as me endorsing your product. And you're not paying me. So no. You know, I don't know if he said all that, but afterwards in an interview, he was like, Yeah, I that that rubbed me the wrong way. I wasn't, I wasn't happy with that. Similar dynamics here. Mm-hmm. Why are you making this dude drink your beer you're making him. This is the other thing. You're making him drink it. He just fought, dude. He ain't trying to have that shit. Did he still have his mouthpiece in? Like, even, why? Why are you trying to do that? What is your thing with making other people drink your shit? Right. He did it to be with oh the pressure. Right? He did it to the old guy in the bar. <laughs> like, you my shit is so good, I will force you motherfucker. I will I will fight to make sure you drink it. Like, no, that's not a selling point. This is this you have to entice them, vinegar or honey, which do the bees flock to, Connor? Doesn't seem like he cares a shit. Then he goes out there, he does his, his his material, which he should have at least, at least, go you know, do an open mic somewhere, you know, they, they, they try to work some of the material out, iron out your shit before you put it out into a major venue like that. Nope, didn't matter. Then he steps on it and says it again with Gareth, man, what a, what a, trim, what a fall from Grace. What an amazing thing where you go from everybody wanting to put a microphone in your face to hear what else you've got to say to having microphones literally yanked away because you have fucked up and fallen so goddamn low. What a time to be alive, man. What a fucking draw. That's crazy. That's I wanna, crazy.
1: I want to read something to you from the Daily Mail about the the beer.
2: Okay, the, sure. Right,
1: the Daily Mail summed it up as such joshua's interaction with the unicorn as such the boxer gladly took a sip but then ignored mcgregor as he turned and walked out of
2: the ring i mean do you want to share a cab with that guy no
1: my goodness
2: no you know what you do you're like hey man hey great story you get the fuck out of there you don't want to deal with this I don't want to t- No, that, that. No, stop. And then he then he that, oh, I'm sorry. Can we address the other part here that we that we perhaps I, I'm sure you were probably going to get to and have not addressed yet. The KSI thing. Why are you fucking with KSI? I know. For
1: what? Why are you calling him out? Listen he's never fighting again what he wants is the attention of being a fighter but he doesn't actually want to fight i am sticking to my guns i don't think I, we see connor fight again
2: you know what you said something to that effect a while back and i was kind of on the fence about it but you know what you have pulled me off that fence with expeditiously i've hit the ground with the greatest thud i cannot be put together again uh I, I that is i agree with you because this is there's a level of desperation there's this mm-hmm. you know, and I know this from first hand experience you know when you when you're a young dude right this is this for all the fellas out there you know the fellas you know you're a young dude and you're trying to you're trying to spit game at the ladies you know you're trying to they can smell desperation mm-hmm. they can tell like oh this this man is needy and lonely and he ah, mm, I don't know that I'm driving with this energy he might be nice but eh, there's something a little repellent about it, something a little anti-catnip, let's say, about this cat. And this is what's happening here. Does any of this shit make you interested in seeing him fight anywhere no. at, at anyone? No. Do yeah. you want to see him in bare knuckle against Mike Perry? No. Do you and, really and think he, that's going to happen? Do, can they afford him? When he Come. called
1: out KSI, he call, He didn't even have his his um, his um line right because he calls KSI out to a bare knuckle match. <laughs> he doesn't even know what ksi is doing you said KSI you said he actually... didn't have
2: you said he didn't have his lines right
1: yeah exactly mm-hmm. exactly okay. Both no, of oh them. no hey i mean your mouth not
2: mine i'm so, just saying man
1: so dylan danis has oh my fight, god so <laughs> has has a fight with logan paul lined up and connor said this <laughs> Oh, goodness. Dylan will win for sure. They're already backtracking. They're walking out on it. I've known Dylan for years, trained with him many times, helped him. I'm guiding him. I'm training him for this. And I guarantee a win. I hope the lad shows up. He tried to put a bill on us if we don't show up. We're going to put a bill on him if he doesn't show up. Again, there right there is proof positive that his shit his shit talk has gone the way of the dodo bird he tried to put a bill on us if we don't show up so we're gonna put a bill on him if he doesn't show up i'm rubber you're glue what what exactly that's literally what i was just gonna say
2: rubber and glue let me ask you this is anyone really excited because it's Dylan Dennis?
1: I mean, do you Just honestly a who think... A guy who's got a
2: history... What has his recent fight history been looking like? None. When has he been... When's the last time he fought? Like 2020? Probably before the pandemic hit, right?
1: Yeah, I think it was 2019 or 2020, but here's the thing. He's going to fight Logan Paul who is ginormous. Logan right. is the wrestler. Logan is the big boy. Okay, okay, this is gonna be and and logan's a tremendous athlete too he's a great wrestler i was so shocked that boy can wrestle and he can sell too he's really good over there in wwe i hate saying it but he is he's very good dylan dennis i i honestly think that logan paul will stomp him if it even happens
2: I'm I, I'm sorry. I cannot get past the Conor McGregor comments. Uh-huh. I'm tr- I'm training him. I'm guiding him. I'm gu- no 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 no. I'm training him. You're guiding him. Okay, fine. You know you can say that from like a mentor perspective. Like I'll let you but cook on that because be guidance mentor. guidance can be guidance can be very vague. You know. So I'm gonna let him cook with that. I'm gonna let that just let that slide. But, but I'm training tra- him.
1: Training. Yeah. But. Training, guiding, the whole thing. Because who is he to be a mentor? Really, look at his in-cage and out-of-cage excursions over the last three or four years. And you tell me whether you want him guiding you, mentoring you, training you? Jesus.
2: No, I mean, okay. What I was going to get to is this, though. Did you... Did we not... Are we forgetting the ongoing season of the ultimate fighter what the fuck are we doing that's not an endorsement you motherfucker that is not <laughs> that's not help your case oh my. you should see it's
1: it really oh does not
2: a jiu-jitsu guy who already didn't have hands is being trained by a guy who couldn't even train his own dudes full time in the ultimate fighter house he was everywhere but there mhm and now you are going to sit here talk about, oh no, don't worry, you're going to see something for you. You're going to see it out of him. No, you're not. No, you're not. He's going to get styled on and fucking if he if he actually fights, which I would imagine he has more of an incentive to do so here because he's more likely to uh, be offered a pretty significant bag. God knows he hasn't been getting one of those in, in any of the uh, you know cancellations that he's had in recent years. Who is this for? To what end? Who does this help? I'm so, I'm I'm just, I'm just, I'm not even, I can't even muster the energy to be mad. It's just like, it's like a despair of like, just God shut the, everybody, everyone in the world, just shut up for a day. We can't keep doing this shit. You're selling tickets to people who are not buying them because there is no event. This is, this is, this is NFTs basically. Verbal NFTs is what you're giving me here.
1: <laughs> that's a that's a very good way to put it. Now this whole section was not so that we could be mad though. it was more so that we could look at what's become of him. what's become of a pretty shitty person to be quite honest. And a fall from grace like this seems kind of fitting. Anyway, we are going to start in with our UFC 292 picks yes sir now this card for a moment there was looking like it was only going to be 10 fights because you know cody garbrandt dropped off they weren't sure if mario bautista was going to get a replacement damon blackshear says i am the twister god i will step in and save this card from being 10 fights and now it's going to be 11. (laughs) there are some really good fights on this card they are it is top heavy but there, there's a lot of name value. It is truly a pay-per-view card. Even if it is, only 11 fights deep. We are picking five fights. We are picking the top five fights. Um, that's where all the meat is. Wait a minute. One, two, three, four. Ah, Okay, they've actually put Mario Bautista, DeMond Blackshear. Okay, so it is staying on the main card. Anyways, we did not pick that one because, you know, we have other priorities here. We are starting with Chris Weidman taking on Brad Tavares. Now, normally I wouldn't do this, but Chris Weidman is returning and um, he's returning against a, basically a journeyman almost a journeyman and how i don't i was stuck here for a moment and then i said to myself god damn chris weidman looked bad in his last several fights even in that horrible one that he won against uh omari akhmedov uh, that was just the stank up the whole fucking place yeah, he did. he looked terrible, and Brad Tavares is still having his moments. So I am taking Brad Tavares. Mookie is taking Brad Tavares. This is going to be a really sad watch. Victor, let's get your thoughts on it.
2: Uh, yeah i i i'm I'm already sad. Hey. Look, man, I, I Chris Weidman has deteriorated to a point where can you really trust him after this grand decline that he's suffered? And then on top of that, the layoff. I don't buy it. I can't do it. So, no.
1: All right. Next up, we have Marlon Vera taking on Pedro Munoz. This is a tricky fight to pick. Now, Mookie is taking Marlon Vera. I am as well. But we have to remember that Pedro Munoz only loses to, like, the top three, top four guys. So this could be a tougher fight for Marlon Vera than anybody expects. Um, But I'm going to take Vera because, you know, Vera always drops that first round. You know, that first round is always a bad one. But rounds two and three, don't fuck with Vera in rounds two and three because that's when he gets you. So anyways, I'm taking Vera. Mookie's taking Vera. Victor, Vera's one of your favorite people. Let's hear what you got to say.
2: You know what I just realized? Vera always gets his in the back end. He's like mm-hmm. child support. Oh! <laughs> he, is, <laughs> he is child support made flesh. He will, he will absolutely, one way or another, motherfucker, he gonna get his. And so, yeah, I'm I'm going to go with, with Marlon now that I've finally been able to ascribe something that I have dreaded and feared more than the boogeyman, more than anything else could ever strike fear in my heart. Fuck Freddy Krueger. Fuck J- M- M- Michael Myers. No, sir.
1: Marla Vera. <laughs> all right. Next up, we have a really interesting match here between Ian Machado, Gary, and Neil Magny. Now, Neil Magny being the most famous Gicta of all time. And if you don't know what Gicta means, that is a guy I can't trust anymore. And the reason why you can't trust him is because you never know what you're getting with Neil Magny. Fights he should not win, he wins. Fights he should not lose, he loses. So here we are. But I'm a fan of Ian Machado Gary. And the reason why is because the dude learns. I like someone that clearly takes notes from his own mistakes. And he tries to fix them. And you can literally watch that from fight to fight with him. His trainers are, are gold for him. Really.
2: I really love that about him is that you see the new wrinkles, you see the evolution, and you see it in the small things too. As, as more so than, you know, oh, he's he's throwing more la- more more high kicks or something. Like, no, you see him being more patient. You see him shuffling side to side a little more, you know. You, you see him drawing out the counter and not forcing takedowns. I love that. I, that that's a cool thing about him. But you know what? I kind of feel reckless. I think I'm going to go with Magny. More so than anything, just vibes. You know what I mean? He's got that weird veteran thing. And just sometimes he's able to take advantage of some of these lesser experienced dudes. Physically, he should be outmatched. But maybe with his wrestling and clinch work and all that other shit, he might be able to spoil the party. I don't know.
1: We shall see. Mookie and I are taking Gary. Victor is taking Magni. We get to the co-main event. Strawweight title fight, Zhang Wiley or Wiley Zhang defending her belt against Amanda Limosh. Amanda Limosh is 13-2-1. Wiley Zhang is 23-3. I'm a giant fan of Wiley Zhang, so I am taking her. But aside from that, I just think that right now at Strawweight, nobody's touching her.
2: I think lemos can present certain challenges mm-hmm. i just don't know that i don't know that she's gonna be i don't know man i, I just again vibes i'm going with wiley vibes vibes. Yeah.
1: and mookie is as well now we get to the main event what a fight or is it i don't know i have this feeling that sean o'malley is not all that he's cracked up to be, especially after watching that Piotr jan fight, which I feel that Jan won. I have watched the fight a couple of times. And the second time I was very intent on paying attention and, you know, fully digesting what I was watching. And I swear to God, Jan won that fight. I thought so the first time. I definitely thought so the second time. That is what sticks out to me. Also, Aljo... Being able to pretty much take Henry Suhudo down at will. Oof, man. That was an eye-opener for me. I like the, the ones that can implement a good wrestling game into MMA seamlessly. His wrestling, he has adapted it very well for an MMA game, for sure. And I like that. A whole lot. So I'm taking Aljo and... um I think that it'll probably be a finish. How about you?
2: I think it might be, too. Uh, Sean has better grappling than he gets credit for. And his stand-up is obviously not just his bread and butter, but it's super tricky. He's really, really good. He's got a lot of um, weapons at his disposal. He's pared things down and honed his game down to... A few basic elemental principles with his boxing and his clinch work, and then creating that distance and getting back where he needs to be. Um, look, you you brought up the Cejudo fight. I was more impressed with Sterling doing that, not just the Cejudo, but I saw what he was doing to Jan, how he was able to backpack him, how he was able to bounce back from the disaster that was their first fight to be so convincing in, in victory in that second one. To me, at least, I mean, like, dude, he, he controlled that dude a lot in a way that I had not seen anyone control Jan. And um, that that was impressive to me, seeing the circuit that he came out of and the guys that he fought. Then he goes on and does it to Cejudo. I know that he's going to be able to take a lot of control here as well. And with that comes the patience and the technique and the strength to be able to threaten submissions, work strikes, threaten more submissions, work more strikes. You know, I I really think that that's going to be a big one. So um, I I think that that's going to be of concern. But also the fact that Aljo's stand-up game is also not a joke, and he could very well be capable of deconstructing some of the things that makes uh, O'Malley such a threat on the feet. So I I think that's going to be it. I think it's going to be Aljo.
1: Indeed. Mookie is also taking Aljo. One thing you said there that stood out to me, his striking has improved. Boy has it. Because Pyotr Jan, uh, while he has good wrestling and he's as strong as an ox and very durable, what he was known for was his striking. And in that second fight, Aljo outboxed him. And that That right there, you know, but he has always been working on his striking. Ray Longo has done wonders with him because remember back in the day, Aljo was not a good striker at all. And these days he uses it as a very efficient tool, a very effective weapon. So I like it. And um, yeah, I just listen. Sean O'Malley's good. There's no two ways about it. I do think his power might be a bit overrated. When we saw him fight, what's his name? The guy with the green hair that came in short notice, and they had a- Ah, uh,
2: Chris Moutinho.
1: Yeah, Moutinho. It Look how long it took him to finally get him put away. You know, Moutinho took it to him. It can be done. And, I mean, I don't know. I just think that his power might be a touch overrated in the same vein that um, uh, Till, Darren Till's power is a bit overrated, too. So I'm, I'm looking here. I mean, I'm not saying he could not knock out Aljamaid Sterling. It's happened before. I just don't think it's a probable thing at all. So anyways, for those of you that are paying subscribers, please stick around. We have a little bit of bonus content for you guys. To access the bonus content of this show, you must be a paid subscriber to do that. Go to bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com and subscribe today.
0: Thank you for tuning in to this Bloody Elbow Podcast production. Subscribe at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com Give us your email and receive notifications when your favorite shows drop straight into your inbox also found on a wide variety of podcast outlets. Just search for Bloody Elbow Podcasts and you will get new shows throughout the week, including the MMA Bunker and MMA tete tete shows with Kid Nate, the Level Change Podcast, the Hey Not The Face Podcast, the MMA Vivisection Main Card and Prelims UFC Preview Shows, the 6th Round Post-Fight Show, the Show Money Podcast, and the MMA Depressed Us.